0: that feeling of nervousness, but then overcoming it, stepping off the helo.
1: I didn't come here to get hurt. I came here to hurt you. Yeah. this is the way it is. I understand what you were telling us when you sent us over there and what things were and why they were, but now we actually know. Mm -hmm. And some of us made it back.
0: Rodeo Time, the podcast. Um, It's like a TNQ collab. Team never quit. We have In the House. The man, the myth, the legend, Mister Marcus Luttrell, along with the world's greatest bull rider. That's right. Just two greats, right in the room. I'm honored to be in here. <laughs> You're honored to be in your I'm honored own house. To be
1: in here, that's never happened before. You're honored to be
0: in your that's own not, yeah. house with Dale Brisby. That's right. <laughs> I was in here. Uh, it was. Was it a full it like, two it. years ago? Maybe has or, it been that long? I don't. I, I think That's it was anyway. last January, January twenty two. So it's almost the end of twenty three. So it, it was, was cooler. Right? Yeah, it was cooler. Yeah, yeah. So that was a that was a ch- that that ch- was a period in my life where there was some changing going on. I going through I'm a saying. transitional
1: period in my life right now. Right? Is that yeah. What you're doing? I didn't how, know how, it. How, you never do. Yeah. Matter of fact, most people think that they're having problems. Yep. Or that life just got hard on them for some reason. They'll blame anything and everything, but the fact that they're making a transition, I guess, because as you get older, really, people don't point it out. And I don't know what that is, but when you when you notice it, it's it makes it a lot easier. It makes everything great, actually. Well,
0: I kind I kind of noticed some of it. I guess what I didn't notice is how much is the reason why is you know in preparation I'd uh, read your second book even Mm. for this and um you know read lone survivor but i also read service and so coming on your podcast was like it began it was the first of maybe a dozen books that came out of g watt and so there, look at me calling it G Watt. Even <laughs> that's good. That's squared away. At least,
1: yeah. <laughs> there are certain things you say. I can hear it, and if I hear it come out of your mouth, I know you know some stuff. Yeah, I I read, I, and they just happened. They were they happened to be most of them, you know, Navy SEAL books. Yeah. So my G are completely different than the Storms and Shields and the Nam guys and the Koreans and the World War One, Two, all that. Yep, completely different. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's so. I read that book and I
0: really enjoyed service and I wanted to keep reading books. As a believer, I was like, I need to, I want to also read some books that challenge my faith. Cause like that one obviously challenged just me as a man, you know, physically. And, and then I wanted to, um, so anyhow, I read, then I read like the Screw Tape Letters by C.S. Lewis and I would alternate and I went back and then I read American Sniper I read *Mere Christianity*. Then I read, uh, I could, I could name them off if you weren't asking me on the podcast. No, but it's good. Some of them are on that shelf right there. Yeah, right into the fire, Dakota Meyer. You know, just a lot of y'all. The
1: best a, one of, Marine, about obviously. our crew is the fact that it's a uh, the true stories, <clears throat> like life, like life wrote that book. Yep. And um, you you can tell when you read one of them. Yeah. And just Lynn's perspective, especially from seals. Cause you got one from each walk of life down here and we all got thrown into the same mixer. And it's just I they're my favorite. They're the one that motivate me more than anything. Well, you get mentioned in a lot of them.
0: The the ones that I read at least, you know, talking about um
1: Jocko's books yep. and Leif, all them guys, man. Leif we Grab all served and, together. Right. This this is the best part about this. And this this goes for military wide is the fact that we were all over there together. Yeah, like Dakota, all all those guys. We right. didn't work together in there, but we were in the same blood, same mud, is what we say. Yep. And when what it does is it ties our worlds together because mm-hmm. we would have been to some of the same places, and then you hear some of the scraps that our guys have been in. I was like, oh, I've been there, man. I remember yes. that. Yeah, Rob O'Neill's books. Yeah, Robbie, how about that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's two pre- opposite ends of the spectrum in, in our community, from Robbie's to what uh, what happened to me is the worst. And it lets you know what we can take. And then Robbie's and that squad lets you know how great we can be.
0: Well, and he was even there on the mountain for parts of it. Had to come get me. Yep. Everybody had to
1: come get me. It was an all-hands kind of deal. (laughs) It's on deck. They took me way down in the bottom. Right. Yeah. So, when if anybody says that they were in Afghanistan in 05, they had to come get me. Dang. I probably cost the taxpayers a lot of money trying to come down there. Don't hold me to it, all right? I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) Well, (laughs) I
0: read two books that were prior to like um what was it roberts ridge and um alone at dawn yeah which they were both stories about roberts ridge but alone at dawn is like a little later and have had to do more with chapman and his story um but that to me that was those books were crazy because it kind of laid the groundwork of maybe what afghanistan was like yeah you know, and like it's a little, it's a lot more rugged than like one. Cause I always pictured Iraq as just everything that happened in those 20 years. Like I pictured that Most scenery.
1: Do. Most do. But it's not. You think desert. Yes. And when people think desert, they think desert. Yes. And it's pretty amazing. And I read a study somewhere that 50% of some, all the people don't leave the town they grew up in. Right. Think about that. That's a lot. That's quite a bit, right? Yes. So fundamentally, what how you perceive things are basically what you're shown in the first condition, and you very rarely do you change that. And it's and it goes for like wars, like hey, you may have fought in Iraq, it must have been the desert. It's not, we're just it's just not desert. I mean, there's cities out there. Yeah, and it's it goes to the way back, Babylon. That's where we were. That's what Iraq is, Babylon, and Afghanistan. You very beautiful, mountainous terrain, but mm-hmm. there's flat thing. Matter of fact, if you uh, Alexander the Great. When he started doing his thing, when he came around Macedonia, went all the way through and came up. He stopped in Afghanistan, and along the way he la- he named all the towns Alexander, Alexandria, and stuff like that. I mean, you can follow this dude's path. You bet. And then you get into—I um, didn't know this, but I think it's Kandahar. They used to call Afghanistan Candyland because of the ruby, the the, the jewels, right? Priceless stones that are there, right? And it makes sense. All the mountains and everything you can't believe what's uh-huh. in there. And there used to be. You, these beautiful carvings of everything in the mountains and everything, but it all got destroyed. Damn. Now it's all war torn. That, that's what they like to do. They like to fight over there. It's still, you can still travel back in time on earth and right. get a great glimpse of what that looks like. You just might have to fight the Taliban. You, well, to you, do it. well, you got to live <laughs> like you got to exactly when you go in there, you can see what it looks like way back in the day with no electricity, you know, all that. It's still there. It's, it's, it's almost as like when the world when we started expanding and we started evolving as humans, man, or civilization started to do that, and you can trace it and you can see it, and it's still there. There's pockets and places that don't even. I remember walking into a village and I never seen a white dude. Dang. And you know how you know that you can tell about a look on their face. Yeah. There's a look humans get when they when they see something for the first time. Right. They, they can't. They they just, especially if they've heard about it. And with our crew, you got to think all those sci-fi movies that you watch. When you
0: guys show up all kitted out, you can't believe it.
1: <laughs> you talk about men falling out of the sky with they glowing green eyes and bulletproof, painted up. That's that's us. Yeah. The only way you get more advanced than us or deadly than us is you have to drop a nuke, right? Because I mean, short of ray guns and all that, which we you know we got all kinds of toys. Can't believe it. Yeah, I, I can't. Took it as far as you could go, I can't imagine
0: seeing. You guys, for the first time ever, at night, it's terrifying. Can't see us.
1: Looks <laughs> all you see is glowing green eyes. Yep. From the nods, and then fire comes out from from our hands because you can't see our rifles or these lasers show up. Some are visible, some are invisible. Right. And we don't talk. It's really quiet. All you hear are these explosions. Something, a house will be gone. You hear these cries and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, this this whirlwind shows up. <laughs> yeah. And just dirt flying everywhere. Can't see anything. And then we're gone. We just disappear. It's the sexiest thing you've ever seen. Like, don't think what you see walking around here in the States, the guy's like, oh, I was in the military, and I was a GWAT, and this, that, and the other, and you're looking at him. You look completely different when you climb on that bull. You know that? Right. Yeah, you okay. have to. You have to. You have a to. That's a different dude. Correct. That shows up doing that.
0: Yeah.
1: I was with uh, Governor Perry the other day, and somehow, someway, we started talking about rodeo, and he he did something to me made me laugh real hard. And he, he was... I don't know how we managed to do it. But he started getting into the position of doing it. And he yeah. crosses it and goes, All right, let him have me. <laughs> yeah, let him have me. Let him have me. Yeah. That's great. Cause that's what life's like. It's yeah. like, hey man, there's some situations you get into, you be like, hey, I didn't I came here to jump on this sucker, but <laughs> there's the other way around, right?
0: <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of guys in rodeo where sometimes like that's the look on their face where instead of like let me have him, they're saying like, Let, let him, him have, have me. me. Yeah, that's is we say that every now and then, oh. but you can tell it. And I'm sure even over there, there's times when like, I know, uh, I can't remember the story of the one guy in Chris Kyle's book where, you know, he turned around his and he just, or no, maybe it was Rob O'Neill, but he kept turning around and the guy wasn't there. He's was supposed to be watching his back and, and, uh, he's one, you know, I'm sure there's guys that you ran around with that were kind of more of the let him have me type, but they want to, um, they want to have fought oh, rather yeah. than they oh, love Oh, I understand bikes. what you're saying. Sure. And then when they talk about it, you wouldn't know that that's the kind of person they were.
1: Right. Oh, I get what you're saying.
0: You know, I get what you're saying. There's sure. a lot of people in rodeo like that, where it's they're, they're like when they nod, they got that look of let him have me. But when they're at the bar that night, you would think that they were oh, J.B. All Looney, Buckle. You know, yeah, yeah. think that they were Chris yeah, Shivers yeah, yeah, yeah. or somebody. And yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm sure there were some people like that that, you know, Maybe they, they liked the idea of it more than, but what scares me is the people that love the actual fight. You know, that, well, that's, that, how you they, know. that's how you know. They're made for that. And I'm sure once they get to your level, you can't really fake your way to that, nope. to the level you guys that's are what our tra-
1: That's why the training is designed the way it is, because people show up wanting to beat on their chest and thinking there's somebody, and I want to do this till the misery sets in. Mm-hmm. And that just separates them quick. I mean, real fast. You can't get around it, yeah. Because we put you in every environment to bring out your mind, your body, and your spirit. One of those, if it's not, if all three of those aren't wired tight and working together, yeah, one will you, freaking own you, man. Yeah, you find it out real quick, and it's the elements that do that. Yeah. Like all you have to do is step into into the elements with them. You don't have to apply any pressure, and just see what happens. But were there still people
0: that were like really good at it with training, but not so much in real life? Or did, they, did the training really – I'm sure there's some instances that are exceptions to the rule, but for
1: the most part, the training really does everything. set it's up so what important. happens. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You Like I could give you the world, and if I don't give you any discipline, you won't own anything. You can't get anything done. But I can give you discipline and not give you anything else, and you'll have everything. So when we go in, it's just a, kind of a test to see what you're made of, see why you really want to be there, see if it's worth being there. Because you, you whether you believe this or not, you are designed for something. Right. You can go off and do something else. That's free will. But you really are designed for something. And there's a calling, a purpose comes into your heart. You can't 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 hide it. Like when you get around the guys you're supposed to be around, something lights up. You bet. When you start doing when you step into the arena that you're supposed to be in, you light up. Yep. That dude could be the quietest, drag ass, laziest son of a gun you ever met until you threw his armor on him. And then you see a rampaging beast. Right. I mean, complete opposite ends of the spectrum. Yes. The nicest guy you ever – remember that. Anytime you're out running around, you run and do it, real nice, all you know, trying to be nice, you're probably dealing with the deadliest thing on the planet. Yeah. I know that because I, I'm part of them. I'm in that fraternity. Yeah. There are guys in my fraternity that scare me. Scare me. Just because of how far they'll take it in the beginning. You got to understand there's levels.
0: <laughs> yeah. Where they're
1: supposed to be. I got guys that will go from zero to 100 miles an hour in a second just because that's, that's what they are. Yeah, It's like a uh, everybody, when they walk around, they see a dog that's well-trained, they love it. Like when that sucker's sitting there and is perched up and his eyes are locked on whatever it's supposed to be, his ears are straight up, and then you got the one that's not like that. Everyone still loves the one that's not disciplined, right? Yes. But when you see that sucker that walks in that is, it changes everything. For sure. And what, what our training does is it starts all that. And it keeps on. Imagine I'm raising kids now, so I'm always on to my my kids about being disciplined and being a gentleman. You know how hard that is. Oh man, yeah. To teach. stay to stay it for one day all the time, it's, it's difficult. Like you actually have to put out to do that. To open the door every time the lady comes in, to say you're welcome after someone says you thank you. Stand up when she stands up. Sit down when she gets back. Right. That all that. All, everything that goes into making a gentleman or a knight or whatever you want to call them this day and age, it's actually tough yeah. to keep doing every one of them. And there's a checklist, but the more you do it, it just comes repetitive. Your body will naturally absorb it, and that's the same way it is in the teams. I mean, we they—that's all we do is train. It's like a UFC fighter or some anybody else who ropes all the time. If all they're doing is that, <clears throat> regardless if you're better than them, they can still get it. They'll still get it.
0: American hats. You know why? Because I'm an American. I'm not a communist. I would be also wearing their T-shirt or a cap because I'm on a podcast. I got these headphones on, but they don't sell those. All they sell, all they make, are Cabo hats. Because they're Cabos. And if you want to be one, wear an American hat. So one thing I've thought about pretty much since I've read your book, Service, it, in, in regards to the training, um, I think about it often. If not every day, every other day. Um, I'm sure you guys think about it a lot more, too, but uh, the Mike Monsoor story. So, to me, and and correct me if I'm wrong, was he on the rooftop with Marines or was it other SEALs?
1: They were doing block clearance, house to house. And that was in Ramadi? Yeah, in Ramadi. And? Him and Mark Lee were together. Okay. So, you, you know, in the SEAL teams, if you get a Michael and a Marcus together, it's going to be on. <laughs> <laughs> a michael and a mark and a yeah. michael and a mark you somebody's it together it's gonna be on somebody's getting a medal that's it somebody's <laughs> get, usually them are michaels if you look yeah. at our medal of honors they're all michaels yeah most of them
0: so um I, I i thought he was on a rooftop when that happened will you correct me on that story
1: he was coming up and he got killed in a stairwell or, uh, did. mark did michael Mon- got killed oh grenade yeah Monsoor. jumped on a grenade
0: right wasn't he on a rooftop rooftop that, yeah yeah the <clears throat> grenade
1: come over so it's difficult to. It's like a rooftop could be another level in wherever in Iraq they sleep on the roofs. Yes, sir. You know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So imagine they were all sitting in this in this room, squared up, and a grenade came flying in there, and he jumped on it. So you imagine my, doing that? How I cannot, and that's my question. Do you like, know what? That's does how you training know when you're, do that? Well, anybody named Michael has a servant heart. Yeah, <laughs> we just don't hand names out here for just indiscriminately. If a Michael walks in the freaking door, you, you need to know two things about him. He probably likes to get out of line and raise hell. Yeah. He likes to be bad till he gets caught. Yeah. But that son of a gun, when it comes time to protect, he can't help it. Yeah. They can't help it. Anybody named Michael will do that. Yeah. Especially if they love you, even if they don't. And, yeah, our training teaches all that and stuff like that. But, man, when the rubber meets the road, it was like the first time you get shot at. You know, and that's why they do that stuff to us. And I, you can bet it was a mad dash to get on that grenade. Really? Yeah, with our guys. Who Who was in there with him? Oh, I don't. I th- I,
0: I could have sworn reading your book, I thought you'd. Yeah, you'd, they're in there, but. But anyway. Yeah. Regardless, he, he jumped on it so it. they w- they would be safe, whether they were Marines or fellow yeah. SEALs. How about
1: that? I can't imagine because how much time did he have? Less than a couple seconds. Enough time to know what was about to happen. And then and Not enough time to, to get that sucker out of there. Yeah. Like, sometimes when those things roll in, and it happens a lot. Like, it, in our crew, like, they would roll them up on us. These grenade teams come in hard and heavy. And we'd have to kick them down the stairs, or they wouldn't go in through the wind, or whatever. But with them, they did. And then you, if you check our history in the military, there's a lot of guys who have had to do that. Jump on grenades and die. So, so one of the reasons that I think about it so often is
0: because, I mean, obviously, he's an elite soldier uh, you know navy seal but like is that even possible with like a civilian like or does it does is the training something part of what gets him to that point i mean obviously yeah sure you
1: you would see it with a mom protecting her cubs her kids and it's something like it Have to be love because ultimately that's what drives that you bet i mean you love the guys you're with that, that's our baseline, you know, right? That's yeah. why they do the things that they do to us and beat us to death and guys die. Like, if you're standing there and you're taking someone taking pain with you, especially if there's other dudes dying and they just won't go anywhere, it changes everything. Yeah. Like, the the, the greatest gift I ever got was when I walk in and someone finds out who I'm, they know that I'll not only take pain with them, I'll die with them. I've already proven that multiple times. So it, it opened up a world to me that, that is hard to get into. I didn't even want it. I didn't ask for that. That just it happened, right? So God's will. But when you're with these guys, they can't. You can't believe how much fun we have because our training sucks. It's Uh always hard, right? It just is. But then if you're doing something with your friends, it's not work. It's like, hey, I don't care what we're doing. If all the guys are there, you know how hard we're gonna laugh. You know how hard we freaking laugh. I mean, you can because there's stuff we do that we get into that some of the guys aren't good at, and then you watch them struggle. You know, a little suffering goes a long way, man. Yeah. And if you're if you're suffering there with somebody else, it's not re- it's it removes a component. Being alone is terrible. That's usually when people end it because they're suffering silence. Yeah. You know, and we're all suffering down here. Yeah. That DJ Shipley told me the same hey, thing. He's awesome dude.
0: I was. He's talk- the real deal.
1: I was. He's one of the dudes I was about, afraid
0: of. Um, about Mike, and that was the first thing he said. He was like, "Well, because I, I was." it's just intriguing to me i think if if you were to give you know most you know adult males like like hey there's going to come this appointment you have on friday you're going to have to save some people and you get ready for it you get ready for it and you're going and then all right here it happens but just the the him jumping on a grenade like that's the epitome of of a servant heart but he only had 2 seconds and that was his knee jerk reaction and DJ said, well, it's, you know, it's because his brothers are in there. Yeah.
1: And so, like you said, love. You can give a damn about yourself. Right. That goes away. You get rid of that training. They pull that away from you. Yeah. That's probably why it's so hard on us when we get into the civilian world. Because you're used to being able to rely on everybody. And now you can't. And you can't. Because everyone's trying to get one on you. Or they think, and it's usually because they think you're trying to get one on them. No one is this, it like, we pair up automatically. I get, you get my respect. That mm-hmm. Trident says a lot.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then you have to lose it. And even then it's difficult with us, man. It's freaking difficult. You know, because team guys, we like to mess up. Women, whiskey, all that stuff like that. <laughs> they get they get strung out on that stuff. You can't can't fault it for nothing. Boys will be boys. And my guys like to play a lot. Yeah. But that's part of the training, man. However, they captured that. And remember, if if I can handle that and if I became this, so can you. Just hadn't leaned on you like that, because now we're all civilized. It's a voluntary thing, mm-hmm. like you got to want to go in there. Right. But a lot of you guys, you know, you shortchange yourselves. You think you're weaker than you actually are. That's a mental thing,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you know that because after you do something hard, you capture that mental co- that clarity of what it is you just went through, and then not only that, you'll be able to see it. So you'll be standing okay. next to somebody who didn't go through it, and be like, "Oh, I can't do this," but you'll have already been through. you will be like, "Oh yeah, you can. You bet." Not only can you handle this, you're going to do phenomenal in it. I guess, you know, being a young
0: male in 2023, having looked at our nation that's been in war and there's, you know, war fighters like yourself and Mike Monsoor and DJ Shipley that come out of that, it's impossible for a guy, especially someone who's in an adrenaline-type game like rodeo, to often wonder what I would have been like standing next to one of you guys or just what would I have done what yeah. I have you know not not like you know could I shoot the best or run the fastest or pick up the most dudes but you know running out of a war field but but more like what I have given my all what I've done what I've been able to what I've wanted to jump on the grenade you yeah. know or would I be the I think it was in Tim Kennedy's book he was telling a story about a guy who jumped the other way and they it, it ended up being a a dud, a dud and they, they jokingly called him Medal of Honor for, for
1: Oh, you like, can't believe I mean the like hard We can time. love like you can't believe it we'll we'll pick on you like you And matter of fact, most of our life is picking on each other. Right. That's how you know they love you. It's like, hey man, if I'm not messing with you is when you need to have a concern. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like real concern. <coughs> if team guys aren't picking on you or pick, I mean they're not messing, they're just kinda like that's a problem in our community. You you need to know that about us. Like right. they switch everything on us. So when life throws a normal bad situation that would would be for y'all on us, it's not bad anymore. It's like, oh, that's, this is what I was designed for. Like I said, most of my guys have problems in y'all's world because it's it's boring. <laughs> yeah. So
0: speaking of like just boring and whatnot, you you
1: did you, you came out of SEAL training in 05? Uh, 01? Golly, what? Actually, 2000. I was the first <coughs> class to graduate out of there, or second class to graduate in 2000. 2005 is when. Oh, I was already, I'd been in for that's a while. That's
0: when you were, that's when some other stuff went down. Yeah. So you came out. Um, I came into the
1: SEAL teams back in the 1900s. It was right.
0: it was the Wild West when you were over there compared
1: to oh. the, compared let me, let me to the end. They they hadn't made a movie or written a book about it, what it was like in Iraq and Afghanistan when we first got there. There's not we won't give y'all that. Yeah. No way. Wild West, that's that's easy. There's that, women there. Yeah. Where we went, there wasn't. You understand me? Like we right. you talk about men doing the we took it as far as we could go. Yeah. That's why y'all don't ever hear about it. Y'all don't ever hear about that oh one to oh five years. Yeah, I had a, a buddy that in high school
0: he was over there like, oh, three, maybe early oh four. That's when we started really getting after it. And he said, he said, yeah, after my first deployment, they called and they were like, y'all got to stop running over people. <laughs> like in with your Humvees. Like,
1: they had a different set of rules on there. I mean, right. You were outside <laughs> after 10 o'clock. We were on you. Yeah. I don't care what you was doing. I mean, they told us that. Both mm-hmm. countries. This is what you're here for. If you don't do that. We're going to come down on you. Right. That's how they hit us. So then then once, you know, it's anything, man. Once you get your battle rhythm, it gets good to you, man. We'll, seals, we, we'll see how far we can take it. it you got to know that. So you had been trained by people that had never been to war. Yeah. How about, oh, yeah. That was a big deal. That was a real big deal when we first went in there. Um, the, I had the Storms and the Shields were my instructors. Mm-hmm. And they were trained by the Vietnam dudes. The Storms and the Shields had an engagement, but it wasn't a long one. So, imagine how tense they were right there. So, the, it was a unique time to be in, in SEAL teams. And not only that, once they had trained us and we got into combat, they showed up. They showed up out there with us. Right. So, you had the Storms, the Shields, and the GWATs all in one spot. That's why it was crazy. Matter of fact, it makes sense now. I never really thought about it. But about in 05 was when they probably leveled out, got all their combat experience, and went back to doing the normal leadership stuff. Right our brass had to catch up and they did and training maybe changed a little bit completely because we were, I was training Vietnam tactics I, when, I, when I came off the plane, my first stop was Kuwait and I had a Vietnam flight jacket on. It was green with the big pillow around the neck and everything like yeah. that. Yeah. I think don't you have a, somebody shared a picture of it well, or something. I didn't even have a shirt on underneath. I mean, we, you got to understand <laughs> We came off it. one of my favorite, you're wearing something similar to that. At least one of my officers, I'll never forget him. I'll never forget this. And I come walking into camp. He was sitting there. had a fire going. had his tent set up. He had a pair of khaki pants on, cargo pants on. He had a muscle shirt, like a straight-up wife beater. (laughs) Tucked in and had a a leather belt and had a a revolver tucked in the back. And then he had one. Remember those 1970s sweatbands, red, white, and blue ones? Yeah. He had both those on each wrist, complete with the head one. That was it. Dang. That's all he had on. Like something out of a movie. Uh, Better than a movie. Better than a movie. That was better than a movie. <laughs> and I remember looking at him, and I thought, he, you know, he was the man. He was like, this is my boss. He's probably 27. You know what I mean? That's what. <laughs> yeah. Military's young, guys. Right. Like, our the old man, he's in his 40s, late 40s, mid 50s. The admirals and generals. That's not old, though. Correct. I think it is when you're in, but. Yeah, military's the guy, it's all young. How old were you when you walked onto that scene? Oh, that uh, was mid-20s. Right, you know, damage age. Yeah, damn. You like age. to do damage. Yeah, <laughs> but
0: so, <laughs> I tell you, man, I got a
1: pure heart. That's my only saving grace. I got a wicked mind and an appetite for destruction. So did, did so you? It, go, it was feeding all that.
0: Did you go to Afghanistan first, then no, Iraq. Iraq? You went to Iraq. I went first. to
1: Iraq first. They sent my brother to Afghanistan first, and then I went to Iraq. Um, I was there doing a the shock and awe. My, Both of them. My mom married a guy that. Uh, Greg Coker, he was, uh,
0: um, he was over there like three weeks after, like he was in October 01, mm-hmm. and he was, he was a night stalker. Yeah, yeah. And um, you guys are great. He was telling stories about, you know, there's just nothing over there yet. You know, now when you think of stories or movies, you know, there's all these bases and yeah. all this kind of infrastructure. But yeah, being the first
1: ones that are different. Mm-hmm. Imagine like if someone like the UN or one, another country came in and just their SF guys dropped in here. Right. How we would react to them. Mm-hmm. And we yeah. wouldn't stand for that. Right. You know, Americans wouldn't stand for that. Yeah. But it could have, you know, if it does happen, then what? Then you got to, so then, then what? any rules, it's just like our moral code kept us on track. And the night stalkers are the best, man, because they had to learn how to fly those. They knew how to fly. Like they practiced flying. Let me tell you when they got good is when they had to land in those mountains and in the cities. Like, mm-hmm some of those pilots, man, would land. I mean, they'd come down in some bil- in between two buildings on the street. He's like, oh, I'll get in here. Watch this. And, I mean, rotors sm- just striking either side of the building and sparks flying. And then they just drop the ramp. He's like, you're good. Get out. And, I mean, we'd come flowing out. Of there, And he'd be like, he just take it. was the sexiest shit. You ever like, they'd come on rooftops and put one wheel down. Or they drop us in the water, and the ass end of that helicopter fills up with water. And he's just sitting there going, "I got it." <laughs> I mean, these, and we're talking about twenty-year-old kids flying these things. Yeah. So think about the mentality. I mean, if someone will yeah. dump them in the in the drink or on the boat or something, be like, oh, "I'll go get another bird. I'll be right back." <laughs> you know, if once you get your ass kicked in the military, if you come back with a good attitude, that that's good. Right. If you come up with a bad one, then we'll kind of funny you into a different category. But. So in the, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, talk you go all day ahead about the pilots, man. They just, you go ahead. I, uh, what were
0: you in Ramadi with Jocko? Yeah. Yeah. Is that when you were under Jocko?
1: No, no. So he, he was there with Chris Kyle and, and Mikey and Mark and all, all of them. They mm. were, uh, he, his platoon was ahead of me. Okay. So I would gotten back from Afghanistan. I was in the hospital. I got out and then I went to team five. And so when we deploy, there's, there's they're, they're in order kind of deal not team order but like a, it's hard to explain but anyhow um so he was over there so you saw him after i saw i saw, i was 05. on the Advon yeah yeah after after oh five i went back yeah. in oh six and seven and he was there uh I, I i was on the i'd made some rank so i was in a leadership position so i went in there first again and um he was there i got you you know him I've not met him, no. It was just one of the books. That, that intimidating look? Books I read. Now he looks like a civilian. He's intimidating. You should have right. seen him back in the day. I can like only he, imagine. You know, his face looks like it could fit in a Spartan helmet perfect. Like yep. his whole, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> like, it's, I think he was, should have been born back in the day swinging yeah. an axe at somebody's head or something like Yeah, with like 300. That. Right. Yeah, being the movie 300. Right there. That's where yeah. he's at. And, and uh, he led like that. <laughs> like, you talked to all those guys. You wanted to work for him. There's a couple of guys underneath He had uh, his chief, Tony, and then Leif Babin. Mm-hmm. who's out now, they were they were all in the same platoon. It sounded like
0: hearing them uh, him and, I think, in Chris's book, they talk about Ramadi, but, like, just uh, the op-tempo, which for the non-Navy SEALs out there, I'll explain op-tempo. No, I'm just kidding. But it sounded like every night stuff was going
1: on. Okay, so the story's coming back from that platoon. Chris Kyle was there, and mm-hmm. this was the last stand of all the bad guys. They got pushed into this town called Ramadi. Yes. Okay. Well Jonko took his boys in there and he would go out in the daytime. Yes. And he would run American flag up up a building up the side of the building. To start a fight. Start a fight. Yes. He's like, come on, bitches. You you want to start something? I'm I'm here. Let's roll. And I mean, would kick ass Right? they were dropping flyers and they're scared to death of them dudes we just be sitting back. I was I was still in San Diego in Coronado getting ready to come over there. And it, just reading all the after action reports were fantastic. No one can write up a, sto- a story like trying to tell you how they got into a fight better than military people. Like, yeah, we rolled up on this dude. you know, Like that. <laughs> the lawyers hate it. We've got lawyers that have to be like, you can't write, I killed, I smoked this dude freaking. You know, they can't <laughs> say that. You're like, I engaged the target, blah, 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 right? That's the one thing about SEALs being from 18 to 27. We're all litigating lawyers now. We know every rule of engagement, everyone in combat. We've watched every law and order. You know, we know everything. But So,
0: Jocko was really good at writing, though, wasn't he? So, like, I'm sure his after-action reports we're,
1: were. I mean, it would pull you in like a Grissom novel. <laughs> but better, because you knew it was just legit. Yeah. And I remember showing up out there. I mean, it was. It was freaking war. I feel like If you can imagine what war looks like, and then you had this ragtag bunch of seals just stuck right in the middle, because we're, we're kind of like bastards. Nobody – the Navy owns us, but the Army and the Marine Corps own all the battle spaces. So when we get put in there, it's at the behest of them. Mm-hmm. Back then, in those days, it was. And um, you talk about having some fun. We would just—you got to. I mean, we got to do our job, what we were trained for. Any imagination that a SEAL had of what it was to do that job, we got to do it. Yeah, and then we had. 160th with us we had the rangers the green berets and they wanted to get do their things so all of us wanted to be there right like we wanted to be there show the g the g wanted to show the vietnam guys and the storms and the shields that we man we remember we learned what you taught us yeah not only that we, we want to show you Yeah. and we did <coughs> we, we definitely did
0: so um how many times were you in Iraq before you went to Afghanistan? I was just once,
1: just once. For, yeah, for about seven months, and then I got back for about a year and some change, and then I went to Afghanistan.
0: My, I, I rodeoed with a Marine, um, Ross Sherrod, and he was uh, he got out of basic training and he was sitting in an airport on nine eleven. Like he had, oh, he didn't wow. get to, he didn't get to fly back. I wonder what that was like. Yeah, you know what I'm talking so, about,
1: like being actually at the at a hub when that went down. Right where and, were you uh, at I
0: was in school yeah yeah I was uh, we watched the second Check. tower. everyone did on, on and yeah, uh, everybody did but um, but he was just talking about like rolling out of the back of one of those Amtraks with the very first time they got shot at with a bunch of guys and you know leaders who had never been in battle and uh, but he talked about I can't remember what town it was in over there just the largest cemetery.
1: Oh, yeah. In the world.
0: Yeah. And clearing out the they're in cemetery. That cemetery. Clearing the cemetery.
1: Those are the worst.
0: Yeah, because there's there's tombs. <laughs> they're,
1: they're above ground. above And then ground. there are holes. Like you have guys patrolling at night, just walking, <laughs> disappears. So you, you, the cemetery. The Fallujah. There was a, Belugia, Fallujah. Fallujah, yeah. Yeah, that's where he was. Sure Fallujah. was. Freaking uh, Marines. Or an army. Fallujah. So you guys would just be intertwined. At yeah, we'd we'll just given be in there time. with them like, like bastards. You know, they were doing the deal, man. We'd just be on the side. <laughs> On the sides and then we were we would provide overwatch as snipers. Uh-huh. Like Chris, that was his deal. He wouldn't come off the gun. People like, always ask like why why'd he have those astronomical numbers? Because he'd just stay there. He'd just stay out there. And discipline to stay on it. Days. And he wouldn't come off the glass. He'd just sit there and look. And just just stay hooked. Yep. The movie portrayed him pretty accurately. Yeah, and he great dude. Great dude, man. Country boy.
0: How much of that played a role in the way he was, uh, you know,
1: effective on the battlefield, do you think? That's why he was so effective. Th- that is one. Well, that's why he was so effective. I mean, he was cowboy, bull rider, <laughs> you know, grip rodeo, and just hunting. That's Who do you think makes the best yeah. at that job? You bet. That demographic. I just, I'm just. i looking at one of them. Yeah. You don't think i throw your rifle and take you out there and freaking get this done? Yes, sir. One, because you're used to it. <coughs> In my family, you got to have one kill. Even my daughters, they don't want tells tell us, hey, you're going to go out there and learn how to do that just in case you got to defend yourself or you got to eat. You bet. I don't care if you ever do it again, but you're going to do it once. And then as you grow older, you know, you're not supposed to kill, says that. Right. So that comes into play. But, well, hey. you are supposed to kill, actually. <laughs> Talking certain about. Certain things to eat. You bet. Talking about Chris Kyle,
0: I was driving in traffic with, or, or actually, Cowboy Cerrone. Was driving the, the UFC Hall of Famer. Oh, I know who he is, and <laughs> everybody does. <laughs> he was like doing. He he kind of moved, changed lanes, and just nonchalant. We we're kind of talking. Apparently, it pissed somebody off behind him, and this dude was road raging with Cowboy. Yeah, and he was doing all but pulling over, and Cowboy stayed pretty calm. But we just talked about like, man, I c- can you imagine like road raging with somebody, and then you get out to find out that it's about that? Cowboy Cerrone, and it reminded me of. And you're, I think it's it's in service where you tell the book the the story about Chris where yeah. he didn't want the story told. Yeah, it's a good those, one.
1: Those two guys, a couple of my guys got some stories they don't want told, but they're so damn good. I'm gonna tell them. Yeah, I mean we we, we got them. I, I hear that all the time about the the road rage thing, but the but those two guys they stole the truck. Tried to steal his truck. Yeah, yeah. Didn't realize they were trying to steal the truck of the Chris most Kyle. lethal.
0: That's God. God has
1: a great way of kind of moving some some of the guys over in front of people that they need to be dealt with. Right. Like I, I'm a firm believer in that now. <clears throat> like, hey man, if God worked you over to me so you could act a fool in front of me, then that's my that's my cue to yeah. do my thing. You know understand? <laughs> that's just the way it is. Yeah, it's like <laughs> on my elk
0: hunt, The God said. If God puts an elk within bow range of you, that is God telling you that is your elk for this hunt. I mean, what you are you talking shot. about?
1: Yeah. Like if there is being humble, and then there's being so humble you don't use the gifts you've been given. Yep, that's a good point. That's called abuse. Yeah. And, and you know, and everyone's got different skill sets. They, they just do. We're all different. Yeah. And once you acknowledge that fact, then you appreciate what their gift is, especially when they get to use it. It's like with any other person watching somebody do what they like. When you were talking about watching us do our thing, you couldn't. Do you know, understand when we come out and watch y'all at the arena? And I'm always thinking, I was like yeah, I could ride that better than you could. Guys, do that. That's a that's a thing, man. For sure, we all appreciate each other's worlds because we understand how hard something is. Uh-huh. If you compare my life off of what you've been through, mm-hmm. which means it has to be difficult because I, I know what you have to go through. So it takes a lot to do what you do. That's well, where respect comes from, and every man searches for that. That's what you want. That's why you earn money. That's why you get out and get a skill set. You get a job. You want respect from the fellow man. It, it it definitely gave me – I,
0: I want to say it was service. Like, the first time I ran anything further than, like, three miles, my goal was last year to run to a town, which was 11 miles. And, uh, it. uh which is – I mean, I'm not trying to brag about having ran, but I was, like, listening to this – uh your book describing hell week and i was at like mile five or six it was already the furthest i'd ran and then i was like i'm just gonna keep going so anyways i i listening to your book and listening giving me perspective i was like surely if these guys can make it through hell week i can at least just jog 10 miles but just the insane perspective of trying to imagine you guys going through that not to mention you know being on the mountain the, your experience there, but just listening to hell week yeah. and I can't imagine the the perspective it
1: gives you guys from that point forward in your life. You can do anything. You can do anything. Anything. Once they, once they secure you from hell week, it, it, there's a physical, mental and spiritual change that occurs for the rest of your life. For the rest of your life can never go back. Yeah. I completely see things through a different set of lenses than y'all do. Yep. Yeah.
0: Like Marcus, you have to run to Houston. Okay, check. Let's do
1: it. Let's go. I got a guy I can call that will freaking motivate me the whole way if I have problems. Yep. And that that's perspective when you're in there going through something because we all have a cross to bear. Mm-hmm. It's gonna get tacked on you. And when you're hopefully when you when it does, you got some guys next to you that it's not a thing for them. There'll be some stuff that you go through that is, is simple for somebody else, but it's difficult for you, and that's why they're there. That's all guys need, too. You just got to look up, man. And the minute I thought I was suffering, I just kind of turn my head and look at one of my boys and look at their face. And be like, oh, he's definitely got worse than me. Yeah. And then makes everything all right. Because they're not going anywhere. I mean, the stuff that comes out of it, it's, it's, it's very, very difficult, right? But it does. There, there are a few things that a SEAL goes through. Hell Week's one of them. When you get your trident stamped into your chest, physical change. Physical, mental, emotional Everything changes. You can feel it, you know it, and you don't ever take it off.
0: Hey, all yeah. right, yeah, yeah, hey, That's right. coming at you live. Yeah, time.com rodeo-time. Kevin, <laughs> <laughs> rodeotime.com. So if you're enjoying this episode, hopefully you'd enjoy these shirts. They just went live on rodeotime.com, uh, all limited edition. We got a new JB Mooney shirt, very limited. That one will not come back. Caps, shirts, even a hoodie, rodeotime.com. What would you advise, like young people that are deciding, trying to decide whether they want to be a Navy, Marine, you know, in the Navy and the Marines, Army, because they're nervous about if they were to fail some reason, they would then just have to be on a ship?
1: Yeah, well, everyone fails that? down here. That's part of life. That's kind of what it is, but get that out of your head. Right. Just, just, if you go in there thinking about this, especially if you're talking about it out loud. Yep. That, like we we just don't even talk about like people will start talking about bad stuff. What if this happens? I'm like, as soon as you put it in the air, yeah,
0: it's you possible. As, you might as well do yeah, because
1: exactly, we don't do that
0: at all. That just seems to be the the one reason most I, I hear you know that's talking an excuse, to It's not really a reason. Yeah,
1: because they're not committed into doing that, or they're it's probably not their purpose. They're doing it because somebody else wants them to, or they think it's they've seen something cool in it. But all that goes away when you're not having to go through it. Like, my brother and I have seen some kids go in. They watch the movies and documentaries, especially when you're hanging around one of them. Mm-hmm. Like, everything I'm telling you about my community is is firing you up. Like, you want to go do it. Right. But I'm sitting here telling you, no, no, you don't. It's terrible. <laughs> it's the worst, hardest job on the planet of Earth. That's only a handful of us. You're not supposed to do it. Yeah. <laughs> but I couldn't help it. Like, it's a, like, you just know. Like, you know what you are. You freaking yeah. know it, and the minute you step next to something that's just like you, then you really know. Mm-hmm. And they all show up at one spot. And I mean, once you get in together, it's the greatest life It is the greatest life. I miss it. Oh man, I understand the purpose of it now. What it what it was for, and what it got me, and where it got me. But it's like with anything, man. You can't stay in one spot and have that much fun all the time. It's not fair. Yeah, that's kind of I mean, it's like, hey, there's a reason why there's time limits. You just can't you can't be in a young guys. That's a young guy thing. Right. And then once you get your discipline, oh, you got to grow up. That's the hardest thing I ever had to do. Become an adult. Freaking hated it. One thing I
0: observed with like a lot of rodeo cowboys talking about like being younger is it's almost just like the word is escaping me, but just like a naivety towards the dangers. Yeah. And then it's not
1: dangerous to you when you're young. Right. It's only dangerous to you if you get, when you get old. Right. Like guys don't think about like what a bull or a bronc. That's a what I'm saying. Horse. You don't have to because it's not dangerous to you. Right. Your body is designed for that at an age to take that. That's why those, those thoughts aren't in there. Mm-hmm. But then as you get older, what that's designed to do is like a sign telling you this ain't your job no more. Mm-hmm. You, you've moved on. You can't go back. I mean, you can understand it, but you're not supposed to be in that arena. And so God changes stuff inside of you. So you will know it. Because if your body's always online line in your mind, that never goes. And that spirit, man, it only gets ramped up. I mean, you don't think that I still think I can do a front flip, freaking three kicks and freaking all that? Yeah, I, in my mind I can. If I went out there and if I tried to stand up right now, I had to give it a second. <laughs> that whole knee doesn't do what it's supposed to, right? That's God's little way of turning things off. Yep. You got to look at it like that. I mean, there are levels here. I mean, you climb in and then you go on the downside. But once you grow up, you become an adult. You don't know that because the kids around you be asking you questions. Mm-hmm. They'll need guidance. And that's how this whole thing works, man. As you go through your scenarios, you learn from them, then you turn around and you teach the ones coming up underneath. If you don't do that, stand by because it can get dangerous. Freaking undisciplined kids, they're dangerous, man. Yeah. I uh,
0: Speaking of, you know, giving advice, so I usually get either a text or a call from you once, twice a month. And um, it's been super helpful for me, you know, with having like my dad die, you know, 10 years ago and having to navigate the world and what's going on. And so getting just occasional, you know, advice from you, for instance, you know, I think right when the Ukraine stuff happened, you know, as one of the first conversations you and I talked, but getting some advice from someone who knows more about what's going on in the world was super helpful. And then I met Travis Pastrana and turns out like he's got that same relationship with you. And it made me wonder like how many of us, you know, young guys out here are, because sometimes whenever you text or call, it's very intentional and it's on a specific time. And then when you get off the phone, it's almost like, you know, you you're very scheduled about it, and it made me wonder, like, maybe there's like a dozen of like Dale Brisby, Travis Pastrana's like people that Marcus has under his wing.
1: That he do. can't imagine what kind of team I got. Yeah, it's <laughs> taking me a long time to build y'all up, but I got you.
0: <laughs> and I don't want. I'm not even. I don't even want you to tell me who they are. But do, how many? How many? Or you can't tell me that either. Uh, it's all. It's all top secret, classified.
1: It's all classified. Well, but, if you knew there was one, you got to know there's, there's 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 others, right? Yeah, I you I are. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I mean, that's, that's like in your arena, right? Like you, the best way I ever heard this explained is like so. Everything down here is a vibrational tone. You understand that? Mm-hmm. Like even this table vibrates at a certain where it makes it a solid, right? When you turn on the radio, there's a certain music you like to listen to because it catches you, right? It's that vibrational tone that they're pitching out. Imagine your birthday is your radio station. and When people listen to you talk, man, they like the way you, your your tone, the way you sing, the way you speak. It, like, catches them. It doesn't matter what you're saying, man. I just like to hear you talk. You, you understand what I'm saying? Yep. yep. Okay. You speak a certain language that only certain people can hear. I got you. Now, if I took you over to the NASCAR, folks, and we want to sit down and start talking NASCAR, but you're throwing rodeo terms, they may get it, most likely they won't. Right. You understand where I'm going yes, with that? Yes, absolutely. Okay. That's for slang. That's where it talks about multiple tongues. Yep. How many of you can you speak? Right. You speak yours definitely, and you definitely speak in mine now. You understand? I can hear some of the verbiage out of your mouth. You're learning my language. Yes, sir. You can hear what I'm saying. Good. That's the best. It's called the void. There's a there's a place down here called the void. All right. And there's there's a the talking and the living and the normal life stuff, but then there's the interim when you get in the middle of it, and you. Man, not only do you hear what you each other are saying, man, like it resonates. Like I, I don't get offended at all. I can understand where you – and I can see it. I can see why you see that. Uh-huh. And then I'm able to take what I can see in your world and turn it around verbiage-wise and give it to somebody else. And the only reason we ever get in fights, arguments, or anything like that is because of the difference of communication. Well, one of the ways that you saw, like in my world, and you, well, you were talking
0: about one of the times that we've t- – had those conversations you talked about fear yeah and the difference in fear and being anxious and how that um, plays a role in the way you move forward yeah and you know you had taken your experiences and then you used them compared to like the way I might respond in the rodeo arena and um, how we should address that with life that was one of the times that it was super impactful one of the the little ways that
1: you spoke that language i guess filled filled that void yeah so imagine every fear that you come up to is like a rope that's attached on one of those little uh, stands yep like the purple rope a thing. stanza is that, is that what it's called i think nice. it's called a stanza very good maybe yeah we'll get a judge's ruling on that but it sounds right yeah Jamie, can you look that up for us so <laughs> when uh every time that fear comes in there's that rope but i mean once you unhook it or you step over it right Or if someone lets you in, then you start to see. And it's kind of fear is your fuel for your willpower. It's almost what you're supposed to be looking at. Mm -hmm. Imagine the greatest gifts that you have are your greatest weaknesses down here. So as you go through life, they present themselves. Dang. You know what I mean? Deep water and heights. (laughs) Hey, heights get me. I'm not a big fan of jumping out of airplanes. Flying through the sky like that gives me, I mean, I got some, some of my guys love it. They, they freaking know they're angels and they can fly through there. And I mean, they just, but every time I get up there, I was like, man. And then I spend most of my time underwater. I don't really have a problem with that. Being underwater is easy, but. Well, yeah, you kind of grew up or. I got that part, under, yeah. Yeah. They, that's uh, the one thing I was, I will say I was good at. So the, so
0: I love how you're describing that and like the way when you are fearful of something or nervous about something, that's what you're meant for. So, cause I could just imagine. There might be times when you're on your way in the back of a helicopter, where, or, or was it even was that one of those moments where that little here's where your punch? friends come? Yeah, oh, yeah,
1: <clears throat> yeah. The anticipation of death anticipation. is worse than, yeah, that's yes. worse than death itself. So just I, like at a rodeo, absolutely. Well, same with a fight. As soon uh, as that first punch is thrown, you're like, then it's on. No, it's on. Right. Exactly. And it's the same way. As soon as that, that ramp goes down and we fast rope out. And believe it or not, there's a couple of guys that I always look to, like the stoics. Mm-hmm. Like their faces never change no matter what we we're doing. These are their voice inflection of the tone. Like, hey, how you doing? It's pretty bad. Yeah, hey, you doing, this is great. You know what I mean? That kind yeah. of thing. Them guys. Like Jocko, maybe. Jocko, thank you. <laughs> and he's just like, Man, he always looked like he knew what he was doing. That's yeah. a confidence. Like guys resonate with that. You need one. You need one, just one. And I could, you know, you can feel it. The spidey sense, that's real. Yep. You can you can sharpen that sucker. So even when that thing would be going off, once you know what you are, all it takes is somebody to remind you. And then if there's nothing else down here more deadly than you are. It, it removes all doubt. Yep. And we know that just because that's a fact.
0: I, uh, I got to go on Derek Wolf's podcast the other day. He's a defensive lineman for the Denver Broncos. He just retired. And mm-hmm. He won a... He was in the NFL for 10 years. He won a, a Super Bowl with Peyton Manning. But I asked him what he missed the most. And like as quick as he could answer, he kind of looked up for a second. But he just went straight to, he said, uh, the violence. And I it made me, gave me chills just because he's not one of those guys that you think about, well, being in the NFL for 10 years, you know, multiple combat deployments would be the same thing. It's just like you're obviously not one of those guys that, let let him have me. I want to just have – this is something I want to have done. Yeah. This is – rather than this is something I enjoy doing and I'm going to miss that feeling of nervousness but then overcoming it, stepping sure. off the helo.
1: I didn't come here to get hurt. I came here to hurt you. Yeah. This is the way it is, that kind of mentality. And especially when you're – I couldn't imagine what it would be like in the league, but – when you're going against other guys and, like, you hit them and they go down and they come, I mean, you know you physically hit them. Right. And they stay. And they stand up there and be like, that's a good shot. Or something like that, right? And you're like, uh-huh. that that has to do something to a man. Like, when you have that ability to freaking think about discipline, they have not to go around town and wreck everybody just because they can. I mean, they have that ability. What's stopping them from doing that all the time? Discipline. And, right. and love, thank God. Yes. I, I, I got a whole crew of guys that love to kill things. Thank God we have discipline because if we if you said something I didn't enjoy,
0: no kidding. You know what
1: I'm talking about. No <laughs> one ever thinks about that anymore, but you should. Yeah, the most
0: dangerous thing down here is that human. Yeah, that's what you know. Jordan Pearson talks about being dangerous, but then being able to control it. Who's the most dangerous guys you got? Did Did you ever feel like talking about your ability and being dangerous and stepping off that helo? Did you ever feel like when you did after the first punch? I feel like. The best way, after reading all your books, all these, your guys' books, like, they would really, the only time they might have an upper hand on you is if they had way more numbers. Did you ever feel like you met, like, someone who had some sort of training where it's just like, oh, this is a good fight, even just one-on-one? Oh, yeah. On one. yeah.
1: The Chetstians are good. Oh, the redheads. Man, there's some boys over there. They, all the mountain boys can fight. They whipped our ass. Yeah. I mean, they're... I'm real up front about that. Really? Oh yeah, I'm not one of them guys. Who'd be like, oh, a bunch of punks I'm like new. No. <laughs> and if you're badass, and I know it, I'll tell everybody that you are. You bet. That's just that's a warrior mentality. You know what I mean? Right. It's just a warrior mentality. Don't so, take anything away from them on their fight capacity. Right. Like talking smacks, talking smack. <laughs> I can do that all day long. But like, if we're doing a straight up conversation, like, yeah, man, it's fucking tough. Why do you think we're fighting? Yeah. I mean, that's just that's how it is. Yeah, but they, you, so- you'd know, you'd know, and we'd know because there was a couple of snipers. Chris killed a lot of them that would be out there that were real good. Yeah, I mean, guys would just be dropping. And that's intimidating when you got somebody shooting at you. you Know where it comes from? That's demoralizing, actually, because you don't know where to go. Yeah, You're like, hey, I'm gonna hide behind that barrel. I'm like, well, what if he's on that side? No kidding. The, the snipers are the worst. Yeah, I mean, because you just literally don't know. You try to t- take off running. I'm like, well. Yeah. I want you to run. Yeah, Then I'm going to really have some fun with you. So then you see these guys kind of doing all the zigzag You're like, you know, well, how do you even get out of that? I remember a few times we got hit by some snipers, and it was like, whew, man. And then there's – that's all they do over there. There's plenty of time to work. I look at grenade teams. These grenade teams would show up on us, three or four guys, man, and just work us. Like they had all the tech because they know the, the terrain, the area where the – I mean, we may know the buildings and the sides of the buildings, but they know where the damage is on the street. Uh-huh. And, like, what doors are open and who lives in where and who's cool and who's not cool. I always think about it like that. Imagine us going overseas into a city and fl- and fighting the, the bloods of the Crips. Yep. In their own neighborhood. It's just not a good – you know, you just wouldn't do that. Yeah. And if we did do it, we'd have to go in there for some destruction because the house – you know what I'm talking about? It, it's just like, uh-huh. man, they just move. And they'll come back around – if you don't live in somewhere and trying to occupy, it's very very difficult. Yeah, it was an impossible job we put on them young guys. I mean, think about us, eighteen to twenty five. That's who you send over there to be diplomats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we're just that's not what we do at, at that age. I Ross
0: Ross said they had a lot of snipers even over on the end of like the the cemetery. That's what, Yeah, in Fallujah, that would be. Cool. Yeah, they everywhere. everywhere. And then they'd be, but, the, but and sometimes they'd even be like in a mosque
1: where you guys couldn't Hospital. do anything. The, there was one guy who was in a hospital we think he was one of the doctors really yeah he was he was a he was a good sniper too because he would take one shot one kill and then he, he wouldn't we wouldn't hear from him again for a few days Dang. and then he was like a, he was a level three sniper because he could drop moving targets he could hit he could hit some of our guys while they were moving and then um always out of out of that hospital and then we think he'd just hide his weapon up in the ceiling oh, we couldn't go in there and then the mosques. We couldn't, we weren't allowed to go in there either. Because we had morals and they didn't. Yeah? yeah. Most people overlooked that. I mean, we're, we're very violent. We're men of violence. We're not really violent men. I mean, some of my guys are violent. but If you put a rule on us, we follow it. Yeah. That's what soldiers do, shields do. I mean, we're not just out there inadvertently just doing our thing, man. But once you tell us to do it now, get out of the way. That was
0: one thing I didn't realized before reading the, all those books and every book you know it talked about rules of engagement yeah. and like how much of an issue that was just internally for everybody and mm-hmm. having to like it just seemed to really obviously you guys too you know it maybe it
1: that, got that to that us might eventually. be the pinnacle yeah, it wasn't that bad might, but I mean it eventually got to us right just like it a lot, a, lot of, a lot of the regular army guys the grunts and everything that they'd have to be shot uh-huh. or or I'll give you for instance, we were we were doing a sniper Overwatch mission. We were in this in this building, and there was a guy, there was an army guy. He had, a, he had a sixty with him, and then one of my snipers was in the tower with him, and they started taking gunfire into the tower. He's like, "Hey man, hit him with that 60. He's like, "Man, if I ain't getting hit, I can't shoot back." That's what he said to me on the radio. I was like, mm, "All right." I was like, "Well, just do your deal. Start shooting to my guy." Yeah, but yeah. There were certain times in the war, like when they were trying to cease you know, trying to do the diplomatic thing, and they would, we would obviously have to be like that. Yeah. So if you if you run across a Gwat man, he's he's got a lot of skills. Yeah. Not just gunfighting skills; he's got people skills. Right. Because you, you
0: just had to had to from every situation. Yeah. Dang. What um, one of the things that I asked you. In when I was on your podcast, I was talking about man, if something was gonna. I think the way I worded it was like, if something was going to happen with our country, would it now be a good time, since we have all these war fighters that are trained? You know, people like yourself that are now training the up and coming, you know, 18, 19 year olds. How do you feel about that? And and this is kind of maybe more a little bit of a selfish question for for my peace of mind moving forward. How do you feel about? The timing of everything that's going on in the world today, and does it give you peace moving forward?
1: Ah, complete peace. I, I don't have a worry at all, really. Nope, not one, at all. Yeah, excited actually. Yeah. And when it comes to our country, if anybody's out there in America and you're worried about, it, let me tell you something. There's a big difference between training to fight and actually being in one. And those are huge differences. So for the last twenty years, your boys and girls have been training. We've actually been fighting. And now we're back. We made it back home. So just kind of sitting around. Yeah. And if you, if you can imagine, if anything was to come into this country, what they would run into, you just think they're going to run into the Army and the Marine Corps. That's not at all what lives in here. They'll run into every sci-fi monster, every animal, every Freddy Krueger, Michael Myers, predator. People will come out of the woodworks to do stuff just to see if it works. All my farmers will be running over you with tractors and hay spikes, Yeah, I'll have every eighteen wheeler blocked every road and run over every tank because my people like to fight. Yeah, American, you want to know why America's always in something? Well, one, we're made up of everybody, and two, we like to fight. Yeah, we just do. And for anybody to deny that would be lying to all of us. Yeah, that's that's just the way it is. Especially if there's a reason. Like a lot of our guys, you know, like talk smack or whatever, man. But if we got a solid reason, like with Israel, that says in the Bible, man, you're supposed to back them up. That's what I know. Period. Yeah. That's why everybody's like, hey, like, you got Ukraine, all these political wars jumping off. That's one thing. When something serious jumps off, like, like serious, everyone knows about it. Right. Like, if people are complaining about the weather and who you're sleeping with, everything's great. Everything's great. Yep. If you're complaining about them things. When things get hard, you'll know it. All oh, that kind of silliness will go away. Personal stuff. All the personal baggage will go away when war kicks off, especially if it happens in here. Mm-hmm. That's for sure.
0: But the way things are looking, it probably wouldn't happen in here. No, that'll happen somewhere else. Yeah. How different, you know, I was listening to somebody talk, there. I think it was on Sean Ryan show. I was listening to a CIA guy talk about how every war is different. They're not going to look the same, even like you had prepared for like Vietnam, well then Iraq was really different, you oh, know? Yeah. And so, like if there is another war, it would look completely different. Even uh, Ukraine was like a proxy
1: war. Look, we have sat the satellites in space now. Everyone knows where you're at. Mm-hmm. They can see underwater. They know when you're coming, what you're fueling up, what you're firing, where you're. I mean, there's nothing. There's no surprise attacks anymore. That, that's gone. All right, my generation was the last. Of all that. We, we got full benefit. We got the tech and the old school, new school war with the GYs. Right. These new alphas, they're alphas. I think they're calling them alphas now. The alphas that are online and then whatever that generation is, this is different. It's a, a game ender.
0: So well, we, how would
1: the next war potentially look? This is just, It'd be everybody fighting in one spot and then fire. Because... Usually, people who can't fight well have the most dangerous weapons. So you got to think that somebody'll have had enough. I mean, it's just always something to fight about. Yeah. If you understood why your purpose, why you're re- really down here, you wouldn't wouldn't do that. You wouldn't fight. We're we're, we're actually built for better things. We're actually built for greatness. Mm-hmm. So to be to be doing that is is something. But talks about it. I mean, how long? There's just enough's enough, right? And you got to finally just say, hey, we all grew up that way. You know, somebody picking on you, messing with you all the time, man. After that fight goes down, it's over. Mm-hmm. Right? Everything's usually cool. Yeah. But the next one will be, it will be all, everything's in whatever we got to play with, it'll be in the war. Everything. Yeah. And we we already dropped a, uh, a nuke. When we dropped those two two bombs, three, I mean, excuse me we changed the rules <laughs> yeah you know what i'm talking about well like we initiated that right
0: so well that's uh that's comforting to hear you just
1: talk about you know like how little you know you're worried you know don't uh, oh, worry. Worried? not no, no. yeah you can't imagine what that would be like just because our guys love to make the stories and my guys and girls my the g- have fought with the chain around their neck their whole life mm-hmm. you'll never actually no matter what you've heard about us, it was nothing. It was probably 40% of what we're capable of because of the rules and everything. A real war is like, hey, man, I came here. I'm going to get rid of you. Yeah. There's, I mean, we're not talking about nothing. What are, you, what are you even talking about? Yeah. So that's just the way it is. It's 20 years of war. Uh, housing crisis, a freaking pandemic. I yeah. mean, a biblical freeze, a biblical heat strike, you know, a, a biblical flood. You beat our people to death in every way, in every capacity. They're upset. They just got over being sick, so they're kind of hungover. You don't think that the, the, when you step back and actually look at the earth and what everyone's having to go through, pretty worked up about something? Yeah. Okay. Kind of hard to calm down from that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just hard to calm down from that, especially when people start fighting. So. What, um. How's your brother feel? He's the same way I do. He got sent up there for a reason. He's trying to figure all that out. I mean, we were talking earlier. There's no leadership, in any of the houses, right? None. And um. Yeah, they don't. He's brand new up there. They don't have a leader in the house. Oh, I have a leader in the Senate. He's been he's checked mentally compromised, and then obviously POTUS has been mentally compromised as well. Check me. We can all see that. Yeah. Checked out vacation, whatever you, want. How, you know. Be polite. I'm him, trying to be polite. Him in the Senate, yeah. There, yeah. let's go get some ice. Cream. I'm not saying anything that's not true Absolutely. or fact. So, I mean, if you're wondering why things are difficult now, and it's funny because right in the middle of when America is going through what we're going through is when the world's falling apart. That done, I mean, I, I don't coincidences aren't really a thing for me, but
0: yeah, they they a lot of people are putting this together, right? A lot of people are realizing, <laughs> like, I hope so. Yeah. Well, and even the rest of the world is like, if we're gonna do anything out of line, we need to do it now while America's not paying attention.
1: Yeah. I think it all started because people let stuff slide. Uh-huh. Like I, I like the political game and the way they're going back and forth, I get that It's kind of it, But the minute they relaxed the grooming standards in the Senate mm-hmm. is when, when I noticed. Yeah. That's when I took uh, attention. Because if you let that slide, what else you let slide? And that's all it takes is for leadership. Let something slide. Because if the kids are looking at it, then it must be okay. That's how this works. Yeah. That's why you have to act a certain way. That's why you have to grow up. And they're not not doing that up there. Well, there's there's literally, so like kids going through
0: boot camp right now, they've got like, you know, a a version of DJ Shipley as their drill instructor who's been through all this stuff. Yeah, right. You know, so like, that, that would be what was encouraging oh, yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, because not that you, I mean, you guys, in in one, like you said, the Desert Storm guys were, you know, but Desert Storm wasn't quite g And I just, I think that there's a there's a little something to the fact that, you know, there's this whole other level of experience out there and the stories, you know, that are fresh. Yeah. And so that's encouraging to me. Uh, getting draw, trying to draw the good out of the bad.
1: The only difficulty I see it is that the kids that are going into the uniform are becoming exceptionally strong, and the ones that aren't are becoming exceptionally weak. And so when you divide them like that, I'm curious as to what the relationship will be. You bet. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you got the kid, the, the the COVID babies. They missed all that school. So then, if they're not educated, and they're mentally weak, and then they're physically weak, and spiritually weak. <laughs> You understand <laughs> all the things. All the things. Yeah. It's like a one of those wouldn't be bad. You could,
0: one, two of them wouldn't be bad. There'll be like a chunk of people yeah. coming through of a certain. We got age. people
1: that went underground won't come back up. Yeah. I mean, they're probably still down there. Yeah. And and if they're not physically, they're mentally. That's right. Yeah. I mean, well, I I've been talking about this a lot. You hear that mind, body, and spirit. Mind, body, and spirit. Everybody's heard that, even if you're if you've studied it. So there's three types of humans. You got body people. You can tell when they walk in the door. He wasn't born looking like that. Yes, sir. You got to earn that. Not only do you have to earn it, you have to hold it. Right. So when you see somebody walk in the door, you automatically know that they got discipline and they can take pain and they'll stick to a routine. And you ask him, too, like, hey, man, what, why do you go to that gym? Why do you do that workout? And I'll be like, this is, how it, this is how it affects my body. Not only that, This was about to say this thing's made of clay. After two weeks, you can mold it. Seeing how big you can make, I mean, the physical changes, and there's that void we talked about. There are things that come with that. Mm-hmm. Confidence, courage, commitment comes with, with strength. Then you got the people who are the minds. You can't really identify them unless they open their mouth. And as soon as they do, you kind of got them. Mm-hmm. And most of the kids who like to, you're like, hey, why do you go to that gym? Why do you read the, why, why that schoolhouse gym? Same thing. Why do you read those books? Why do you study that philosophy? Because it does this. Okay. Most of the kids who go to the body kids, they go to the gym, they don't like going to the schoolhouse. Right. And the mind kids, the smart kids, don't like going to the gym. Well, then you got spirits. You can see them. They're usually wearing beads, got some crystals tucked in their pants. They smell a certain way. They hit you with a Bible when they open their mouth. The way they move, you can see a spirit. Yep. They usually don't like going to the gym. Knowing what happens when you train your body, and it does that, and you get all of this stuff by training your body. Like there's physical and emotional and spiritual things that go with training that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like a visual sign that if you train that, it will change. Knowing what happens when you read certain philosophies and you read certain books and what, when you store them, when you manifest that in your head, it changes a person. Right. You can tell by the way they walk. Knowing what happens when you train the mind and the body, when you go into the to the to train the spirit, like why do you why that why that spiritual kung fu? Why why Baptist? Why Methodist? Why do you go to that spiritual gym? It does this for me. All right. You ever run across anybody that trains all three of them? Probably not. Not very many. They're rare. They're rare. But if you take the time to train each one of those, you can't believe what it'll do to you. That's called getting your mind, body, and your spirit in line. They'll talk to each other, and knowing that you can look look at Mr. Olympia. That's somebody's committed to his body, right? You find somebody's committed to all three of those like that. If mean, you got plenty of time in your day, man, yeah. it just when someone told me, when they explained it to me like that, I was like, oh, I'm hearing you now. I get the breakdown on that. And I understand now why people are like, hey, you need to get to church, you need to get to the schoolhouse, you need to get to the gym, because in order to live down here, you got to have all three of those to survive. Because life will kill the body. A human can kill the mind, and a, and a situation can kill the spirit. If they're not trained right, yep. and you know as well as I do, you can get through something mind and body, but if it broke your spirit, you just can't even lift this thing. It'll it, it just that's your driver. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, it says it. We're not from here. Yeah. This your avatar. You've been tucked in that sucker. Yeah, and the mind is a computer <clears> that works all that together. You're in here trying to drive this thing.
0: That's such a good point. You know, like when my dad died, there was a brief moment where just like I couldn't operate. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. you know. I mean, it didn't take me long because there was a lot of peace wrapped up in, yeah. you know, his because I just I was at peace with where I, he was and I was at peace with the way I was going to move forward. But for a brief moment there, it just felt lost and like it broke my spirit for a moment. And I just nothing else mattered physically, mentally, nothing else mattered.
1: Yeah, sometimes it's situational turn all that off you ever felt that moment where just a heart feels it? Mm -hmm. Like, not your body. It's like somebody grabbed a hold of your heart and squeezed that thing. It has its own emotions. It's its own thing. It's not just your pump, man. That thing's got a memory, and it's got emotions in it. So I guess, like,
0: in the moment. That's what blows my mind about you guys when you're in war. You don't have time to grieve and address your spirit Mm -hmm. because there's still bullets flying. That's right. And so, to me, that's something, maybe, maybe it is something training can get you ready for, but it just.
1: So, I, I, I kind of use this analogy when I tr- go to describe that. It's almost when you go into the military and you, and you go into the combat round, it's like walking into the gym, and all you're doing is working out mm-hmm. the whole time until you get out. Then is when you're going to feel being sore. Then is when you're going to feel your pain. But it lasts, instead of one day, it lasts for one year, two years, or three years. You never have time. As most people, when they go through a situation, they have time to grieve. And there's the, the, the seven levels of grieving and whatever. And then you process it and you go on. But by the time we start processing the bad situation, another one just showed up. Right. So that so it, it just pushed the other one out the door. You don't even think about it. It's in there, though. Oh, it's in there. But they just keep stacking them up for us for 20 years. So guys will get out and they'll start thinking about it. Reflection. In the beginning, you receive, then you reflect, and then you respond. So they're in their re- the reflection part.
0: I had, I was talking to a SEAL that was saying he felt like one of the major reasons that guys do have trouble when they get out is not necessarily that they lost a buddy while they were in because that's where that buddy wanted to be. Yeah, that's not. He said it was he, – he felt like – a lot of the explosions and just the way it messed with their head yeah. played a
1: big role. Oh, yeah. You know, like CT. Well, that's injury. Like my right. guys have injuries. Like traumatic, like the head's been knocked and, and, and bruised and beaten. And yeah, that's a real thing. Breaching and all that. Cause they didn't even care. Like my breachers, dude, the breachers are freaking. Yeah. They just, we didn't think about this stuff. We didn't think we were gonna live this long. <laughs> we talk about it all the time. Like we just didn't think we were gonna live. To be in this, this part of it. Right. So now the guys are like, you know, I get these headaches. I'm like, well, yeah, I know. That's because all the C4 that blew up around your head. I was, you know, I was standing in the rocks and the J and someone yelling at you and falling down and going. Falling down the mountain. Yeah. Falling down the mountain and going underwater on scuba for eight hours and coming back up, jumping out of an airplane. Yeah. There's probably something in there that got a little tweak. Don't worry. We'll fix it. Yeah. Just just hold the line, boys. You know what I mean? My guys don't care. Yeah. Like a seal is designed for that. Take risks, die if necessary. That's the sexiest thing we ever heard. Yeah. Hard part for us is being civilized. Yeah. And that's why I tell all my guys, now, I'm like, hey, look. When you, just imagine you never get out of SEAL teams. Your new assignment was to be a civilian. You're undercover. Like you, your job is to marry that lady, protect her, raise her kids, get them to school, do what she says. Oh, by the way, she outranks you. You can't yell back. <laughs> and then I, I've been telling my guys this too. Just this might sting a little bit. But if I ever, excuse me, if you ever caught anybody talking to your wife and kids the way you do, you'd kill them. Mm. Not talk down to them, not hurt them, not beat on them. Kill them. You understand that? And when I say it like that, they feel that. They hear that and they understand it. Mm -hmm. Like You've been trained to take this pain for them. You've actually been trained to defend people from you. Right. From you. And when I tell them like that, they, you know, sometimes you just got to remind them of what they are. I don't yell at them, man. I just remind you uh-huh. of what in the hell you are, because that's a thing. And then they just keep going. You know, we only got one day down here, man. That's why our phrase is the only easy day was yesterday. You know, We got today.
0: Are you training? Do you, is there any sort of ongoing training you do? Like any
1: fighting, Me? firearms, in the gym? Oh, yeah, every day. I have a routine I, I, every day. And then it goes, I have a daily routine that I do, and then there's also a monthly routine. So, like, when the holidays, every every month is something different. It's like a reward. Okay. So, you do something each month. You can break this down to the coffee you drink at a certain time. It's like a reward instead of just, like, something that you do. And I, absolutely. What's your routine? What month? October. Okay, so it's Halloween. Okay. So, and it's also the holiday season. So through the summer, starting about January, February, you get in shape. So all the way through the summer, and then as soon as you hit October thirty first, baby, that's the belly, the beer, and good food. So you're just kind of just chill. Laid back. Yeah, especially you go, you relax. That's you, your you routine. got to have some relax time down here. Yeah. Okay. That's why the holidays the good food. Everybody's in a good mood. It's like you kicked your ass and you got your ass kicked all year and now we're just gonna come we're gonna kinda relax this thing a little bit. Do the stretch. Like I'll switch my foods, my diet, my what I drink when the months roll around as opposed to the hot and the cold. I heard you say that on a
0: podcast that you do, you go hard January and through whatever, and then you take a break.
1: That's right. So January, you know, you've been off for the holidays. You you don't want to work out. You're out of shape. So what I do is for January, I drive down to the gym and just walk in there. I don't even work out. Right. You just get your body used to being there. It's the best way to do this. Everybody wants to lift three, 400 pounds. I was like, we're going to start by one pound, not 20, 50, and 80. I was like, you want to lose 20 pounds? We're going to start with one. I bet you I can get you on a, out of that funk quicker than anybody. You bet. Because I break it down by the moment. I was like, we're just going to look at the gym for a month. Look at the gym. Just going to look at it. Think about how good we're going to look when we come out of there. Yep. And then you go down there and you do kind of like, maybe I'll pick a weight up and put it over on and be like, oh, that's good for the day, man. You know, it might have been my, my bad day. I'm going to do this, that, and the other. And then you go in there and you got your simple workout and you build up to it. And when you do it that way, your body wants it. Uh-huh. It's like when you feed a drug to it, when you feed any kind of food to it, man, it gets kind of used to it as opposed to just plowing it in there because then it'll react like it got hurt. Right. Like a lot of people, I'll see you walk in there and they'll shock the body. That's good for kids. You can shock the shit out of them. But like for an adult, when you get older, man, no. Slow is smooth, smooth is fast. It's Like with anything else you do, man, as long as you're slow is smooth, smooth is fast, your body will react and it remembers too. So second month after you're working out, is it like a lot of free weights? And yeah, just so I have to up? go down to – I go to – a place in Florida, a hospital, I live in there. And I've been doing it for 16 years now in February. Okay. And that gets me, I mean, my body remembers it. Dang. The minute I walk in there, it starts. It, it won't eat certain foods. And once you once you routine your body enough, it'll start doing it automatically, especially with the, when the seasons change. Imagine how long it takes you to like something and then get bored of it. You want to yeah. know how long? Three months. You know why? Because seasons change every three months. You don't like the heat? Wait three months. It'll change. You don't like the cold? Wait three months. It'll change down here. If you don't like anything, it'll change, including you. That's what happens. That's the one constant down here is that we change. What if I don't like coal? Well, that's the cool part about it because we got different environments you can go live in, right? Yeah, there you go. That's it. That's how it works. So, it's like you can condition this thing to do anything, and it will react and respond. Yeah. Um. Did you
0: do you do any, like, hand-to-hand? Like, we, we just started training jujitsu. Oh, good for at you. The, at the gym. We got a... Turns out in my town of 500, there's a black belt.
1: Yeah. And so um, he's coming in twice a week in the mornings. That's good. And so I have the kids now. Uh-huh. And, and I grew up studying away too. So they have, I take them to jiu-jitsu and I take the You got to be a ground, you got to have a ground game and a striking game. Okay. So you get your jiu-jitsu, but then make sure you do a basic karate or a Muay Thai or a boxing, be great. If you do wrestling, make sure you have a stand-up game. Because okay. all fights start from your feet. Right. Usually right out, especially out here. Think about that. Most, that. most people don't want to go to the ground, especially what environment you're in. But if you do go to the ground, jiu-jitsu for that. So I've, I have I have thought about that
0: a lot because I think if someone, it would take, I, I don't have any desire to go start a fight at all, zero, never have. But if, if a fight did start with me, not only would it start standing up, but it would probably very quickly go into them grabbing my hair. Yeah, of and course. so that's what, that's, what's motivated me. Maybe that alone has motivated me to start jujitsu because, uh, I was talking to Cerrone about it and I was like, really, the only thing I have going for me is I'm not in terrible shape and I know that I'll try real hard Yeah, and I probably wouldn't quit as easily as the next person they grab. But other than that, I am helpless.
1: Yeah. So remember the first person to lose a fight, first person to lose the argument or first person lose their cool. First, we're gonna start breathing hard. As soon as you lose your breath, the breath—the most important thing we got down here. You know that. It's the first thing you do when you're born. It's the last thing you do when you die. You're you're trying to learn how to control that sucker. Gotcha. So the reason you—I mean, if a fight started behind you and you got knocked on the ground and then you roll over, your jujitsu boom—it's there. Bruce Lee talks about be formless, Mm -hmm. be like water, and or think about it as like you study multiple different ways. So. When people are like, hey man, what's your martial arts? Like, well, what's yours? Because when your way intercepts my way, I'm gonna adopt yours. Mm-hmm. And then I also know how to live in it. So basically what I'm saying is is I'll conform to whatever it is you throw at me. Gotcha. Think about it open. I, 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 don't get me wrong, people get jujitsu, boom, that's their religion, that's their that's their style. They're they're a constrictor kind of body. They love it. Yeah. And you got guys and girls who hate going to the ground. But if you want to truly like I studied this. There's people who, like, train to get self-defense, and there's people who get into the life to where they want to know why is this and why is that. And that, that's kind of the way I was my entire life. So it's also what works for you. You know your body. Like, when you get on the ground, they'll th- they'll teach you f- 100 different moves. Five or 10 of them. Such a chess game. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what it is. Ch- chess. <laughs> it's a chess game from, you know what I'm talking about? Like, hey, why are we even fighting in the beginning with, but guys like to do that. The, the most people you'll see that love to do the scraps are the, the, the brand new black belts. Yeah. They're the worst. Because they get a, they'll, they're get they the ones that want to prove it. They won't necessarily start a fight, but the dams won't back down from one.
0: Yeah. Because
1: they want to apply their skills. I remember being there, yeah. for sure. Then you get the old timers who are like, hey, young bats, get out of here. Or even if they do something, you, you're so secure in yourself that it's not even a thing. Are you a black belt? Oh, right now i got one on around my waist, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's like when people ask me if I speak different languages, I'm like, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> Start talking. You talk bad about me. I'll let you know. I don't know why I needed to even ask that. Like, <laughs> if he if he
0: is or he isn't. I mean, it's Marcus Luttrell, you know. I'm like, Yeah, just go watch the movie. You know, that's
1: enough. <laughs> <It> doesn't matter. <laughs> it was just what we talked about in every environment that you go into. Jiu jitsu teaches you how your body works. Mm-hmm. And, and it. And like, if any situation that you get out, I don't care what it is, working cow, especially what y'all do. Like, if something runs into you, you know how to move as opposed to just stand there and take it. It's a, it's a, it's a body dynamic It gives you confidence, too, because it lets you know what you can take. Yeah. Most people won't get into something because they're afraid of pain. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. My son, I've been training him since probably four or five years old, and up until this point, all I do is, is work as is blocks, teach him how to block, and then to get hit. What that feels like. Right. No one likes it the first time. Mike Tyson says it all the time. You got a plan, get punched in the face, plan goes away. Yep. But those guys, like real fighters who fight all the time, the reason they're so good at it is because they get hit and they know what it feels like.
0: And and, and they enjoy. Because you, you're not afraid. They enjoy the actual
1: fight. That's right. Yep. Well, you get good at it. And then once you know you're not going to get hurt, and if you know what someone's capable of, then they'll be like, oh, we will to have some fun with this dude. Right. And that's where the chess game comes in, for sure.
0: Because you just never know these days that what somebody's trained in yeah
1: or they have a gun usually you got to think most sports and martial arts and everything came into line so we wouldn't kill each other we're always going to have disagreements you know what i mean and men can kill each other quick pick up something off the ground or or, or we have all our weapons now but we we shouldn't be doing that that's why like i think sport was invented once we subdued the earth that's why we were here mm-hmm. and we started killing each other Probably like hey man let's come up with a sport yeah. So if you get upset, we'll just go play some ball. Do you still talk to Mark Wahlberg? All the time. I talk really? to everybody. Anybody comes across my my life and I'm, I'm in there with you, I, you gotta, I'm made for life.
0: Well, you said that whenever I left here. You didn't believe me? And, no, I, I, I mean. Most yeah, people I be, don't. I believed you because I wanted to believe you. Cause Good. I was like, and sure enough, that's been the case. So it, it doesn't surprise me that you know somebody like you
1: and Mark still stay in. He seems like a super cool dude. Oh, well, we got competition. You can be the best man on the planet. Like, just a solid dude. Uh-huh. Like I told you earlier, it's hard to be a gentleman. It's hard to do all that stuff the proper way. Even not doing something doesn't make you a bad person. Uh huh. I mean, we got good men down here, and we got bad men. Then we got people who are either they're just kind of placeholders, right? You see them. Yep. I mean, so go out of your way. It, it's fun too. Like we got little bets going. Like, if I ever catch somebody doing this, and get a video of me helping somebody doing certain things. Like, we have these $2 bill bets. <laughs> and with all the guys, I check on them all the time, man. They're they're great. They remind me of my where I've been and where I'm at. Yeah. And just to think about what they have to go through on a regular basis. I just love hearing their stories. Yeah. The best friend I ever had was Mr. Rigby, my dog. I told you, he, in County he passed away. We were together 24-7 years, 13 years. He never said one word to me. He's not the one that... No. uh Ended in the – okay. But, hey, man, sometimes people just need need you to be sitting there so they can see you, so they can just say something. Yeah. That's real important.
0: Yeah. Speaking of your dogs, I remember I came in here to be on your podcast, and I think – was it this dog? What's this dog's name? This is Eden. I don't know. I think it was a female. It would have been – she was was like – because she's young, right? Yeah, Yeah, she's still – yeah. And you were like, oh, just – kick her out of the way, do whatever you want. And I was like, the last thing I'm about to do is kick Marcus the Trails dog.
1: <laughs> I didn't think about it like, yeah, okay, I got you. Yeah.
0: I was like, this dog can do whatever she wants. She can sleep on I got, my legs. Yeah, the
1: white that's Eden, and then I have the, the black lab. His name's Ranger. It would have been Eden. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, well, uh, you still run around to the black rifle guys? See all them time. a lot? Yeah. I'll I saw those all skits time. you did with Caleb Francis. Yeah. Hilarious.
1: So, when I ran away and joined the circus and, and got to hang out with them, Travis, and that was the time of my life. I mean, we raced across the country, for God's sakes. Yeah. In a car. Uh-huh. With a bunch of other racers. I mean, you, you, that's an American dream. You understand yeah. me? Like, there's certain things down there. If you get a chance to do them, you better do them. For sure. Just to say you did it. Very similar to rodeoing. American. America. Yeah. Yes. I mean, if you got an opportunity to get your ass on. it's called taking a chance. Yes. And especially if the wife signs off on it. Yep. I mean, if your wife gives you permission to do anything, guys, by all means, take it as far as you can. Yeah. And then you want her to say, "I didn't realize you could do it like that." I'm like, eh. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's what guys do. But yeah. then, um, it's been the best part is now that we were all when the guys are transferring out that I was in with, even if I didn't get to see them in in the actual combat, what they're doing now, uh-huh. because when everyone's in a uniform, you see their animal aggression kind of in that atmosphere but then when they rotate it out and you see what they do now like the doctors the lawyers accountants the podcast like sean all the guys i mean they're just they sit down real professional and they are when we're in too but a lot of times i see my guys it's like man you know how freaking crazy that dude is he's the right. like, wildest wow, son of a bitch you ever met yeah and i mean had a blast with him and now they're like they're doctors <laughs> yeah or congressmen. or congressman, Our congressman. <laughs> And I'm talking, you know, the, I knew, like you know they'll do a great job in it because uh-huh. they did a great job in the other one. But just the personalities when you have to just, grow up, you yeah, never would have you know, imagined. It's just kind of like, man, it's the
0: best. Are you gonna? Uh, surely you're going on Sean Ryan show. One day. One day. Yeah. Yeah. I'll hook up with him. That'd okay. We cool. kind of make our rounds. That'll be cool. I'll listen to his. Well, here's opinion. the
1: problem: when you get team guys like for us to get together, then we'll just rip off on some kind of crazy ass tangent and just go right two of us are pretty good. You get three, four, when you start stacking numbers, there's, there's no, you'll have to have a leader in there. Uh-huh. They'll call the shots, because otherwise we'll just start acting like fools, man.
0: Well, he seems to do a good job at, like, dragging just the entire, you know, your your Genesis story. So, like, he would start at the beginning, yeah. it seems like. And yeah. so, like, that would be cool to, you know, rehear just all your your early days. And he had a
1: great heard. career, man. A lot of those guys, man, they're just, they just kept going. Uh-huh. Like, Seal was the first thing. And then when you hear them describe, a lot of the stuff was mysteries to us. Like we didn't know, we didn't know, we didn't know. There was no internet and everything. We came online and the wars and then to see what people were telling us and then what was actually going down. So that's another thing my guys know. I understand what you were telling us when you sent us over there and what things were and why they were, but now we actually know. Mm -hmm. And some of us made it back. So just to see them. Transition of power. Just our, our guys are coming in and they're transitioning into power and we're removing the... The baby boomers. How did life change for you after, or
0: did it at all after you went on Rogan a couple of years ago? Podfather. The podfather, the
1: podfather, podfather. How great is that guy? Yeah, I mean, he's the podfather. Dude, <laughs> I had a blast on that. That's the last time I ever
0: drank whiskey. Did, <laughs> did, did 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 it change anything for you? I know you have kind of been on a trajectory. yeah. I said,
1: that's the last time I drank whiskey.
0: Oh. <laughs> You can catch Everything. that part.
1: Yeah. <laughs> if you got to go out, go out with him. Yeah, yeah, we did. Man, we had a blast. Um, I've known him a while since before, like when he was doing right after Fear Factor, when like when the US first started going up. I was going and and watching those things, so it's been fun. And then I'll, I will take claim to recruiting him to Texas. I'm gonna take full responsibility for, for that. sure. I think. I mean, I'm sure there's some other people. He'll probably say that it was on him, but I'm gonna take take that one. I think maybe Elon too. Screwing him down in there so we could yeah. have the, the rocket ships down. In, you down you know Elon, day. too? I'm going to say not personally. Okay. Have you met him? I've not, no. I'm trying to get him to build us a truck. Okay. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe for the for the radiator ranch? Radiator ranch? Yeah. Okay, you know I mean? Yeah. We could do and like we, a... We need to send him down to our hat guy. <coughs> it could be like a... You know what? Seeing, we need to send Rogan down to the hat guy, too. Get Both of them cowboy hats now that they've been... I feel like they put out for Texas.
0: It's funny you say that. Um. So, I actually... I need to, to. I was gonna give this to at the beginning. I got not only you a hat. I picked up two hats on my way here. One is, uh, one's for you, one's for, uh, Rogan.
1: Nice man. Oh, you took care of that already. Yeah. He's
0: reading. Oh uh, man, he's reading my mind. I thought I thought like it would be like a good way to to welcome him to Texas. It is.
1: I feel like that's a, there's a couple of things that you should get from a Texan to let you know if you are a Texan. There you go. And if you are a Texan, are we still doing the podcast?
0: Yeah, but you uh, got that second right. mic on.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, like the rodeo. Uh-huh. Like everyone's Irish on St. Patty's Day. When a rodeo's in town, <laughs> yeah. you better have your hat and you better have your boots on and get your butt to the rodeo. Right. That's just the way it is. Thank you.
0: Yeah, that, uh, there at American Hats, uh, run by Keith Mundy and He's a huge man. that
1: actually fits, too. What you doing, man? Hey, thank you, man. Yeah,
0: no worries. Bye.
1: I remember you got on to me last year because I had my straw when I was supposed to be wearing felt.
0: Oh, no, no, no. I may have, ex- I, I just may have explained what some people think. I personally didn't get on. Oh, I, hey, yeah, I, I, but,
1: I, no, I, hey <laughs> I'm supposed to follow the rules, too, but here's what I think you and I should do. Since we have um, so many people moving to Texas. You got, You still got the sticker on the front. That's the style of these days. The kids okay. Wear, wear there you tights. go. Yeah, you're doing it on purpose. We're we not. Yeah. No, you write, can. No, but um. I'm dress this whole thing down. I think we should write like a Texas etiquette podcast. Okay. like, if you're going to come to Texas, a few things you need to know, like the buckies, the water like say yes, ma'am, no, right. sir. American American, American hat. Uh, what do you think? Like, come up with some cool stuff. It looks California. good. Like I saw a meme of a, of a California guy wearing skinny jeans with cowboy boots. Okay. Like there's some things you just can't yeah. pull off. Yeah. I think yeah. we should kind of line that out. Like the first one says, Don't mess with Texas. Like, don't mess with Texas.
0: Number two, don't wear skinny jeans with a cowboy hat. Right.
1: It's real simple stuff. I think Very it should be simple. like five minute kind of things. Like every yeah. now and again you and I post something up and be like, hey, I saw this or I got this question. I think we should do this.
0: And there's kind of this there's kind of this maybe we do like a collab saying where I would normally say, Otherwise you ain't no cowboy. It could be yeah. otherwise you ain't no Texan. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't. Texas Qual. Do you know? Do you know Rogan's hat size? Mm-mm. I didn't either. I had to guess. What do you think it is? We went with seven and three eighths.
1: I feel like we could have figured that out.
0: I mean, I still got time to change it. But you got one of those. It, it looks like a round we type, got, yeah, definitely, n- not not a long oval like mine. I got a long I got oval.
1: Weird. Got dropped or something. When I was. A we'll kid. find anyway, out. Yeah, we got it.
0: I'll try this one that I'm taking, and then we'll.
1: we'll, tr- we'll We'll find out. <clears throat> that looks good on you. Thank you. Feels good. I appreciate it. No you know the worries. difference between a cap and a cowboy hat? A crown. Right. I never knew that. It's like, you just don't get one of these. Mm-hmm. You got to be issued. it. Like Someone has to physically give you your crown.
0: Well, thank you for letting me use your facility. Thanks for putting me on your podcast. You're welcome. It literally changed my life. I, I not only... I
1: appreciate you saying that. Who put you up to it?
0: No. You didn't? <laughs> That's a good line. Because those books, like I said, I read like 10, 12 of those military books. And then in between them all, I was reading, um, these books on Christianity, for instance, Mere Christianity, um, Screwtape Letters, The Great Divorce, all, you know, some, some books about, and it sent me down, this could be a whole nother podcast, but it sent me down this path of studying my pride. And, um, the pride I have, and then searching for the opposite of that, which would be humility. And so that's been just when you talk about the spiritual side of things, like every morning. Now I've read like seven books on pride and humility. The only thing I've accomplished is I've identified it. That's all you have (laughs) to So
1: So Imagine every morning when you wake up, your vanities and your virtues will show up. And it's like a slot machine. And every time you pull that wheel, like when your feet hit the ground, it'll spin those like, hey, I'm going to come at you with some vanity to see if you'll go to charity. And I'm also going to bring pride on you to see if you'll stay humble.
0: That is exactly what happens every morning to me.
1: <laughs> I feel like I'm talking to my psychiatrist. <laughs> you know, it's when, well, someone had to point that out. I did, you know, I had to learn all this too, bro. I didn't know what was going on, and I didn't know how to explain it. But then when they were like, yeah, that's exactly what happens. You ever hear the terms life? You ever hear like, hey, you got life? <laughs> you got time, like you're doing time? Well, okay, yep. All right? And we all die here, so you got the death penalty. Mm-hmm. So whatever this thing is that we're in, we're doing time. We drew life with the death penalty. What sin did you commit to get in here? A few of them you're born with. And then some of them we walk through life trying to figure out, like get get a handle on it. I'm not even talking about getting rid of it. Yeah. Like some of this stuff, is like you'll find, man, you'll be in a situation and your freaking body will activate and your mind. And it's like you, you got to. You go hundred miles an hour, or you kind of hey, learn to titrate this thing, and go smooth, man. Like, yeah, I need you like that. Like my badasses, I need you to be a badass, but I don't need you to be one all the time. I need you because you got a family. Uh-huh. It's like a medium. That's what it's all about, man.
0: What do you do to make it less of a slot machine? And you you choose like when your feet hit the ground. Yeah, like yeah, time.
1: It, yeah, it's just time. Yeah, because the minute you think it'll show back up, it's a, it's always a test. And the minute you get it, it's like if people like, hey, man, if I was going to give you a superpower, but you just told me you drive down the road and have road rage because some little, little lady cut you off. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, when someone pulls in front of you, when you're driving down the street, I don't need you to step on the accelerator and show them that you're a badass and they're being an ass. Mm-hmm. I need you to hit the brake and back up and you give bet. them some space. Because maybe they got something going on if you didn't. Yeah. I, I gave my kid that lesson yesterday because someone kept pulling in front of us. And instead of driving up on them, I was like, hey, here's what you do. You don't know what kind of day that person's having in that car because I know I'm having a great one in mind. Uh-huh. So instead of mashing the accelerator and letting them know what a badass is in the vehicle behind them, I'm not a badass. I'm a freaking nobody. Yeah. I got my kid there, too. Stuff always happens to me to test that resolve when my kids are around. Dang. That's how God gets at me. Yep. He'll put something around me that doesn't need to see what's really inside this sucker. Pride. Definitely shows up in traffic. Well, I can scratch you in a nut quicker than anything, bro. I mean, it's just like, you can't get around it. You just, it's like a constant, Ugh. I get, I used to drive around for a month looking for, like if I saw the car, somebody cut me off. I remember it.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'd be you're... hunting
1: for your ass for a while. Yeah. <laughs> That's terrifying. It should have been, man. Cause I got plenty of hardware in my truck and I, and I, I think about that. I'm like, Hey, wait a minute. And first of all, I'm a grown man and I'm a Navy SEAL. What do you What do you mean? You can make me mad by cutting me off in traffic. Yeah. How how can I make you mad doing anything? Everybody bled that out of me, but I can understand why it's in y'all. I get it. I had it. Yeah. But in every action like that, unless somebody comes up and calls you out, and you know God delivered them to you for for you to do your thing, you'll know it. Other than that, most of it's just a test for you to see if you can control it. I'm not even say backing it up. I'm just say control it. It's like when a beautiful woman walks in. When you're a young man, you've already sized her up. And everything in your head. Yep. A guy walks in acting like a badass, you've already figured him out. Mm-hmm. We we just do that. It's a human nature. How excessive you do that comes with your age and your experience. And people can tell immediately. Like when you walk into a room and there's a bunch of us, especially my ladies, they'll tell if you're vibing them. They can tell if you're trying to mack them quick. Right. They'll, they'll <laughs> freaking know. And then I'll see them respond to it. It's funny, especially them, man. They're great. At it. They can read y'all like you can't believe. And that's kind of what you're going for. I mean, they'll, they'll, uh, uh, especially the ladies will always know if they, if they see a man that can control what's going on inside of him. That's ultimately what you're going on. I don't care how hot that fire is, what kind of animal, or what it, whatever's in that sucker. Learn to train it and control it. All
0: right. Two more questions. One of them is really simple. The other one I've I've always wondered, how much – how much – during the actual fight of, I guess, any fight, I was thinking on the mountain. Is there prayer going on in your head? Oh,
1: So the minute something starts for me, I'm in, I'm in it. I start it. Mm-hmm. And then the whole time I'm running and falling down, I'm like, God, I need help again. God, isn't funny. <laughs> when I stopped, I'm like, okay, Lord. You know, you, you just, everybody it's else. It's a constant like, conversation. Constant. Yeah. And as soon as that goes in there, you know you're engaged. Like my my fire team buddy is Jesus. You, know, what you what know
0: you're engaged when you start talking. When he starts showing when up, start yeah. When I start when talking
1: out loud to him, that's when stuff's going down. And I, I talk out loud.
0: Did you see a lot of people all come to, come to know? I Jesus? I never met an atheist during... in
1: a foxhole. We used to joke about it all the time. It's like as soon as that, as soon as you get it gets serious, people are like, all right, Lord, I don't care even if you don't believe in the creator. People are always like God. I need some help. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Absolutely. They'll always make reference to it, even if they tell you they're they're an unbeliever. They'll, they'll either say, because when God said he would rate Jesus' name above everybody else's, even people get mad like, Jesus. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, do you believe in Jesus? No. But I for some reason, I say his name all the time. Yeah. Mm. I'm pretty sure it said they were going to do that. So, now there's a huge difference between having your faith and understanding that God really exists, and then the guys that don't, because I, I didn't have that in the beginning. So I was fighting with just pure intention.
0: You didn't have your faith in the beginning?
1: I had it, but it wasn't sharp. It wasn't sharpened uh-huh. as, as it is now. Like, I had to go through that to actually understand that someone was guiding it. huh. You know what I mean? Someone's got to get locked in like that.
0: Was it a little bit of that naivety? Yeah, of course. Just being young?
1: I think some people are born down here and they know God's real. They just know that. They just know he's real. There's no question. And then some people don't. I mean, they're believing because someone told them and the people who are important to them told them, but then you got to see it. Yeah. I mean, you need to see something that changes you. And when you meet somebody like that, you'll see it in their freaking eyes, man. They'll be like, "Oh yeah, he's real," and he has a great sense of humor. Yeah, great sense of humor.
0: Eddie Penny seemed like that in his conversation. Yeah, with a lot of guys The like way that. he came to Christ. Yeah. You know, like he had. To They're upgrade. the best.
1: The ones that get brought back in—they were never really gone. It's just like a blinder. Uh huh. And our and our faith. There's a, a thing called mystagogy. It's like it's, it's like it's a mystery where they go. Why do you leave the church? It's like we I mean, gotta go find out this is actually real. Nothing wrong with that. It happens to so many people that you know that's it's a pattern. There must be something to it. And the best way to know that something is real is to make sure you get put into example where it's where you get shown. Mm-hmm. You either get something taken away from you or you get something given to you.
0: That's so scary to to be like, that's that's one of my prayers. Lord, I hope I don't have to go through something like that to strengthen my
1: faith. Give me the faith without having to. But, but once it gets in there, though, you, you never forget it. The, the, you can't deny it. Like I think a lot of people go around here when they know God's real and they still make mistakes and they get put in these. Like, why life is always tough on me? I was like, do you know God's real? He's like, yeah. Like, and you still screw up on purpose? Well, that's why you're there. But there are people walking around here that kind of think and believe, but they're not absolute. And you see them screwing up and life's pretty good and still great. That's why. But the minute they know, like it, acknowledge it, and they start to screw up, then their life will turn to crap.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I've seen it too many times. Yeah. I know that that's a thing now. Yeah. And it's 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 amazing, but it's that's how it works down here. That's why you never judge anybody or get on to somebody why their life's so great and yours is if it's not. I'm like, well, what are you doing? Yeah. Because Everyone's different. Everyone's got their own path and their plan and their what they're supposed to be doing down here, their purpose. There are some people that think that they get taxed, like, well, is life bad? I mean, it's like, man, it's that's just life. Mm-hmm. You see somebody who's got a damn burden. You can't you can't miss them. I'm talking about like somebody who's got scoliosis so bad, his spine's He, he like, walks on his hands and his feet. That's called a burden. Right. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. Or or a blessing that teaches you something. That's what you're in here for is to learn something. Yeah. For sure.
0: We usually wrap up with uh, just kind of a one-liner of life advice.
1: Don't sweat the petty stuff and don't pet the sweaty stuff. He got there pretty quick. (laughs) That didn't take him long at all. My buddy that was in here, he's dead now, was in here with you. David, the David Thornberry. Yeah. He died the other day. Yeah.
0: That's what – I was supposed to come down and do this. Yeah. and But we we had to cancel it, obviously, because he, he passed. Freaking,
1: he died. Oh man, Training for a race that we do, our crew does every year, just to do it. What was it? A uh, hard – tri- Yeah, a hard track. Training for a traveling. He was the most hard-charging cattle rancher I ever met in my – I mean, just the best freaking guy.
0: He was – so he was, to you – as you were to me, but for ranching, right? Yep.
1: Yeah. Best cattle rancher I ever come across. I mean, that's his life. It's it funny because every every Friday my crew and I meet at this restaurant to eat breakfast. It's called Meeting at the Table. And we are sitting there. And all my guys will, like certain guys will call certain guys out. That's why they're in our crew. And I was sitting there. We were eating breakfast. And somebody asked me a question. I was like, yeah, I'm a cattle rancher, you know. And my buddy, without even missing a beat, put his fork down, chewed his food. He goes, hold on. You have cows. <laughs> You're not a cattle rancher. <laughs> and I, instead of getting insulting, I started laughing my ass. I was like, you know what? You're, you're right. Because my friend David was a real cattle rancher. I mean, out there every day. I got him every day, and I'm with him every day, but I don't, not like that. Yeah. And I mean, I lost enough of my friends to know that like, you don't get to pick when you get out of here. Yeah. And if you knew that this was a prison and people get pulled out of here, then you shouldn't be upset for that. Usually when people get out of jail, you're happy for them. Mm-hmm. Once I started looking at it like that, y'all miss him. I think about him every day. And he taught me a lot. He taught me that line. That's who gave me that. And I'll never forget when he said that to me years ago. I, I thought that was the funniest and most logical phrase I'd ever heard. Don't sweat the petty stuff and don't pet the sweaty stuff.
0: Yeah.
1: I never forgot it. And anytime anybody asks me for some wisdom or something short, it's the first thing that pops in there. I'm thinking about that sucker all the time.
0: He was a good, good dude. I just met him the one day I was here. He's an Aggie. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, y'all, y'all got one
0: famously. He was also a large man. Huge.
1: Like, yeah. sup- what was he, like 6'5"? Yeah, 6'4", 230-40 pounds. Yeah. Badass a boxer, you know what I mean? Just a right. tough. Good dude. Well, great family.
0: I was super sorry to hear about that. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, how long have we been talking? It's one of our longer ones. We good? Yes, sir. I appreciate your time. I know it's worth a lot. Thanks for the crown. Think that, uh, American hat. That's uh, Keith Mundy. He's a big fan and wanted to give you one of those for a long time. All
1: right. Tell him we got to get one on Joe's head and one on Elon's. Elon, yep. Yep.
0: I got Joe's in the truck. I don't have Elon's size, head uh, hat probably size big. either. It's probably, probably he's so. <laughs> damn he's so damn smart he's Those so smart he's probably got, got one brains like, a, a, or, like a,
1: a 10 an eight and a half <laughs> mega mind like yeah mega mind i need one for oh, the, the
0: pod father yeah <laughs> so hopefully hopefully joe rogan's a seven and three eights and then i'll just guess on elon's too so well uh i'm dale brisby thanks for joining thanks for listening marcus luttrell um and uh follow the never team never quit You've got a podcast yourself. You guys put out a lot of great um, stories and and uh, military, but also entrepreneurs and people that are um, just would never quit. That's right. That people that have never quit. And so, tune in to his podcast. Where uh, sometimes his brother steps in on him, but uh, oftentimes your wife. Yep. So you get to hear from the whole family. Visit their website, and I got to get a couple of these. I've n- I've been wearing this since the podcast, and Donnie was with us. And he, he couldn't make it. He's at a rodeo. And he said, be sure and give yeah, me one of those. Yeah, crew's doing good, right? Everybody in crew Everybody sure, the crew good. is doing great. And i uh, got to grab a bracelet. So check out teamneverquit.com and rodeotime.com. We're on to the next one. Thank you, Marcus. You bet. Yes, sir.